This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbours are probably already doing it. But who... They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like Hex has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. It's another win for the Hammers and one that takes us to the dizzy heights of fifth in the league, just four points off the top. But despite beating Aston Villa, some would say it was an underwhelming performance and on the back of a far from perfect display against Sheffield United, how much of a concern is this despite getting the points? Are we running the risk of taking our foot off the gas or should we just be thankful for grinding out results? Lots to discuss as always before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. It was another three points for West Ham, our third straight win that takes us to fifth in the league. Despite this, there were still some concerns over the performance. What did you think of us on Monday? Uh, yeah, there were concerns over the performance. I didn't think we played that well. But to be honest with you, that's a good sign. I think a, a, 
sign of a team that's going to do well is a team that can grind out results when performances aren't at their best. And I don't think we played particularly well. But at the end of the day, like you said, we're sitting fifth in the league, mate. And if you'd said that to, to me at the start of the season, that at this point of playing Aston Villa, we would be fifth, you know, three or, three or four points off the top, I'd have laughed at you. Um, and the, the, the bottom line is we are there. So, yes, not the greatest of performance. Yes, got a bit lucky, particularly with the goal um, that was disallowed. But at the end of the day, results are what matter and buzzing. Well, it's all about the result, isn't it? It's all about mm. the result. I mean, we haven't played well for a few weeks now, but how many times have we not played well and inevitably lost? I can't remember a time when West Ham didn't play well and won. Mm. I mean, I really would struggle in recent times to, to pick some examples out there. So I do believe that you can be a good side by picking up points and not playing so well. And let's not forget, we, we still defended well. Yes, mm. we rode our luck. You know, it was a penalty miss, a disallowed goal. We did ride our luck. But, you know, we drew a bit of luck, haven't we? Let's be honest. Um, oh, yeah. It wasn't our best performance. The level of intensity wasn't what it usually is. And I don't know about you, but I was frustrated at the lack of possession more than anything else, especially mm. when we went 1-0 up. I mean, at that point, we should be on the ball, in control, making them do the chasing. But we didn't. If anything... We just invited pressure by giving the ball away too many times. Yeah, that is very true. Um, I don't think Antonio was fit, to be honest with you, or not as fit as he should have been. So I think we were quite um, lacking, like up front, like someone to hold on the ball, hold the, hold up the ball, sorry, and knock it back to the midfielders, maintain possession. I mean, that was a factor. Uh, I thought we played better when Alaire came on because he was fit. Um, and so I think that made a difference. I agree. The possession wasn't great. I don't, I don't think it was a particularly strong performance. Um but as as I keep saying, mate, I, it, at the end of the day, that is the important thing to get the result. And we showed good heart to to obviously get through the penalty, get through, and and still sort of you know not let our heads go, even though that that went from, didn't go the right way for us. The decision and the yeah, he missed. So it gives you the the pick up, and then there was a bit at the end. So there, we did ride our luck definitely. But when you're playing bad like we like we were in the past, our heads would have dropped, and we would have played bad. Heads dropped, opposition would have scored, game over. But we our heads didn't drop. You know we played poorly, but we still were fighting, and I think that's the difference. You're right about Antonio. He didn't look fully fit at all. And I actually wasn't surprised to see him come off at half-time because I thought he was really struggling. Surely, surely Moyes and Antonio must have known that he wasn't ready for that game. I think so. And I mean, this is something I was going to say in my section, but it's kind of relevant to now. I just don't think Moyes rates Allaire. And and, uh, it doesn't really matter what what Allaire does as such. He just wants him out of the team and wants Antonio in it. And I think that was just proven by that decision to bring Antonio in. I I, I get stick for whatever I say about Allaire. If I criticise him, I get stick from the cult. And if I praise him, I get stick from the anti-cult. And it's a very bizarre situation i don't know if i've ever experienced this with a, with a player so much when there's such a an aggressive divide um over one player but i i, I think Alex should have started because he scored against sheffield united he didn't, he didn't play amazing but he played well ish for him to build on that performance and also not to risk antonio um you know if it had got to the point was like the 55th minute 60th minute and we were losing or not playing well then you might have brought antonio on but i i I didn't agree with the decision. Look, at the end of the day, we won the game, so you can't criticise. But I do think um, 
Yeah, I do think Antonio looks like he just wasn't ready yet. And, you know, hamstring injuries <clears throat> are, are really a plague in his career. And, you know, each one he gets, the longer I'd imagine it will take him to recover. So we have to be very careful without completely burning him out or ruining his career because if he keeps having these hamstring injuries and coming back too early he's only going to get them again so he, he's one of those players that you have to manage it's a bit like you know not quite to the extent but if you remember like Julian Dix you know if his knees and stuff towards the end mm. of his career they had to manage that they had to only let him train on certain occasions you know Ledley King had to do it when he was at Spurs and stuff so it might be getting to the point now where we have to be really careful with what he does in training you know he shouldn't be doing sprint work for example you know you almost got to try and savor him because he's so prone to that injury why did we not see West Ham at their best was it complacency or do Aston Villa deserve more credit oh Aston Villa are a good team aren't they I mean at the end of the day they 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 are up you know doing well in the league um they've had a good season they've beat you know they smashed liverpool didn't they i mean mm. they, what was it 7-1 was it from memory or 7-2 something, like, something mm. like that they smashed liverpool so they are a good team and you know we just we just had a we had a, a bad day we had a, a performance that wasn't wasn't good enough um they played well. Um, they were harrying us. Um, Grealish is a is a good player. Always looked dangerous. Um, and that I think that was just it, really. You know, they played well. We didn't play that great. But um, yeah, we're still we're still sitting fifth, mate. I can't believe it. I honestly didn't see this happening. Oh, mate, it's incredible. And we keep going back to look at the fixtures. Yeah, exactly. That we had. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember saying on this very podcast. You know, I, there's absolutely no question for me that there's every chance we could be bottom by Christmas. Yeah, easily. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just couldn't see where the points were going to come from. And it's only the crazy world of West Ham United that we're now talking about really three average, if not arguably below average performances that's picked up nine points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, what other club could you say that about? I mean, it's, I it's, it's one of those only at West Ham type scenarios, you know, yeah. because we talk about Aston Villa and why we possibly wasn't on top of our game now. You could argue um, it wasn't the best performances against Sheffield United, and I don't really believe it was against Fulham. Um, again, maybe this steers back to the myth once more that West Ham just perform so much better against the bigger sides. Mm-hmm. Quite possibly, mate. Like We always seem to have more intensity when we play the bigger sides. We always seem to play more, like better attacking f- um, football when we play the, the sides. I mean, these top sides, maybe you can put it down to formation, you know, against the three... T- like, we've stuck to the same formation now since... Was it Arsenal, was it now? I mean, yeah, there's only been one game without it. We've stuck to this same formation um, and it's worked so well. But maybe, I mean, the thing is, it's hard to criticise because we've got nine points, so it is working. But it may be against the better teams. It isn't the formation to bring the best out of us. But that said, mate, like I keep saying, I don't care. I don't care. Let's play play shit for the rest of the season. But if we get three points and we finish fifth, or, you know, God, I'd, I'd be out of this world if we finish fifth this season. Um, and the fact that you know we we are within touch of like Champions League spots, and and it's just unbelievable when you look at our fixtures. And I and I think to myself, like you know, next game Manchester United, they're not the side they were. Obviously, we're ahead of them in the in the league now. Um, Leeds are there. The, the, these fixtures are all 
are all not make are not scaring me, you know. Mm. Like, and I, I just, I just feel really good at the moment. And I, and I think such huge credit has to be given to David Moyes and the backroom staff. I mean, he he, he has galvanised a squad that was underperforming hugely under Pellegrini. He's not had much money to spend. He's bought very wisely in Shafau and Suchek and. Um, I mean, Randolph's hard to quit, hard to discuss because he hasn't really played, and Dawson and Ben Rama. But you know, he's 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 just t- taken players like Cresswell, who's just unbelievable at the moment. Cresswell, Balbuena, um, Antonio, uh, Mazuaku, all these players, he's just improved significantly. You know, Cresswell now. Uh, he looks phenomenal. You know, mm. he's he looks like a classy, classy centre back. You know, whereas last year, or, or certainly under Pellegrini, he was a left back that I would have considered selling for like a million, two million, or something. Now, I think he's a really good centre back. And if he, I mean, what is he thirty? We could have him there for two, three years, and we got a really good player there. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. David Moyes made two substitutions at half time and switched to a back four, which was a bold move. Mm. on his part and quite uncharacteristic of him actually but it was a great move and credit to him for that immediately we saw an assist from Benny Mm. do you think we'll see him start from now on it's going to be really interesting um again this was meant for my section so all the people that you know um only to get the first part of the podcast you're getting a bit (laughs) of the x section now for free Uh, um i'll let you off um but yeah i think he's he has looked at the training and they have set up with the same formation uh, and team that started but they have also been working on the the one that finished as well, not with Noble, but with Ben Rama and and Alaire in it. So I think they're sort of seeing which one they think is most suitable for Manchester United. If it was me, I would stick with the same formation that we started the game with because I think, like I said earlier, we played better in that formation against the better teams. Um, so I would stick with that formation. The one question I would have, or the two questions I would have, is whether you bring in Ben Rama for finals and and start that uh, and if you bring in Antonio uh, sorry Hilaire for Antonio you have to judge how fit Antonio is going into the Manchester United game because if he's as fit as he was against um, Aston Villa then he then he shouldn't start well I, I just can't see how his fitness can improve that drastically in less than a week for him to be able to start yeah no exactly I mean it, it would have to be, yeah, it may not have improved because, it's not, yeah, like you say, it's not even less than a week. It's not even a week, is it? It's less than no. a week. You know, it's Monday to Saturday. Um, I um, maybe he had a bad game, but there was one incident where uh, he was chasing a ball and it was shepherded out for a goal kick, I think, and he, and he, and he looked so slow. And he, obviously you... you um, one of his main characteristics is the is his speed, and that to me suggested that a he wasn't fit, and b he was co- conscious of his hamstrings as well, um, and he was maybe or maybe trying to manage the injury by not going full pelt to get the ball. Um, I think you just have to see how he is in training, mate. I mean, this is the ball. See the benefit that Moyes and the, the coaching staff have over me and you. You know, we can see him in games, but we don't know how he's performing in training. If he's been performing in training this week, banging in the goal scoring loads uh, showing no signs of injury than, than play him but if he if he's not then I would go back to Alaire because I, I think Alaire played well when he came on you know mm. he's beginning to show 
what I criticised him for for not doing last year, and he's beginning to show that he'll get stuck in, that he'll fight for it, that he will take a kicking. There was one bit near the the touchline where he won the ball, turned on it, and, and held off someone, and was taken out, and he got up, and you know, and he was fouled at another point in the game. And I want to see him being fouled. I want to because that makes me feel that like he's giving the the centre backs a, a rough ride. Um, so he is beginning to show me what I wanted him to show but the bottom line is I don't, I don't he's not he's not particularly racist by voice and it wouldn't surprise me if we looked to offload him in January do you know why specifically he's not rated by Moyes do you know what mate like you know this is not meant for me to get the cult onto me but a lot of people when Hilaire signed for West Ham categorically said which is why if you remember that podcast we did and I said to you you know, when you said to me, who's going to be the player that most disappoints West Ham? I said it about a week or so after he signed, based upon what people had told me, that they feel like he hasn't got a left foot, that he's not got the heart and passion to play in England, he's not committed enough, He's not. he doesn't hold the ball up as well as he should do. I think that's the general criticism of, of him, and he's just not a Moyes type of player. However, I actually think he's been better for West Ham these last few games, um, and well, this season. Generally, I'd say he's better this season than he was last season and I and I think he needs to do all he can to convince Moyes that he is the better player there's the theory that he was a good player at Frankfurt because um, jo- Jovic and Rebic I think their names were, were making him look good but that's not my theory that's the theory that's out there um, and I just hope that he does prove me I guess but especially David Moyes wrong and that he proves, out, proves to be the player that others think he can be, but I just don't think Moyes rates him. It has shown, you know, he didn't play him once really went during lockdown. Um, like the first time last season, in the last season when he couldn't, we were in a relegation battle then, and then he had the perfect, perfect game here to carry on Hilaire, and I would have played him because he just scored in the last game. Perfect platform to build on, and the minute Antonio is properly available, he swaps it. I just think if I'm Hilaire, Am I slowly losing enthusiasm yeah, I and think the will must. to want to stay at West Ham? Because yeah. he must feel unwanted. And as a as a striker coming to a different country in a different league, when you can't get a game and you're you're losing your place to someone who's sixty percent fit, his his mind, at least part of his mind, must be thinking about going elsewhere in January. Yeah, exactly. I think he must do. Um, I think he he must think. What do I have to do now? That I, and I think that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. Like you know, I I tweeted this that I think it's harsh on that he was dropped. Some bloke messaged back and said, "What what is this? Eleven year old football." I don't agree with that comment. I think it is harsh. You know, if you've got a player that scored and played quite well the game before and he gets dropped, then he's going to feel a bit hard done by, and that's not him being childish. You ask any top footballer, particularly a striker, they don't want to be ever dropped, particularly when they're scoring goals, and they have that almost like inbuilt competitiveness and jealousy, I guess, if they don't play, that it really, really affects um, affects forwards. Forward, so many players are confidence players. And if you played well in the last game and you drop the minute the other, your, your competitor gets fit, you are going to think, what do I have to do here? Mm, exactly. I mean, he, he clearly needs a run of games. Any striker will tell you the same. Mm. You know, it, it's not realistic to just give 
a, a striker 20 minutes here and there and then make a solid judgment on whether that player is going to be good enough. He needs a run of games. He needs it for his fitness. He needs it for his confidence. He needs it for his adaptability. Um, and I do believe, give him time in what is now a winning side and he will score goals. Yeah. But from his perspective, I just, I don't know. I would, I would constantly battle against my enthusiasm to stay at West Ham. I really would yeah. because, and I'm just talking about me, Dave Walker now. If I was at West Ham and I was in his position, mm. I don't think I'd want to be where I'm not wanted. I agree. I agree, mate. And it's clear that uh, I feel that he isn't. And I I, um, I wouldn't want to. I mean, he, he was playing for a, a, a top German team, scoring in the Europa League. Um, and had a really good reputation before coming to West Ham, and now he's got a reputation as a backup forward for for West Ham, really, to a player that was a winger and is now converted to a striker. I I would, if I were him, I would say, look, if if you can get 30 million for me, you should take it, because all right, we paid 45 for him, but I don't think we're going to get that back, so I would take 30 million if I were him and move on. Not that the money obviously matters to him, but I'm talking in terms of the club and him, that would be an acceptable thing, but... You know, it is what it is. He's got to just keep scoring when he can, like doing what he did on Saturday, uh, sorry, Monday, coming in and making a difference. Um, so he can do. Mm. On a scale of one to ten, how much of a cunt is Jack Grealish? <laughs> um, he's, he's he's not a pleasant chap, is he? Let's be honest. I mean, like <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, uh, I, I'm probably not as animated about this as you. And I think the, the listeners probably would have liked me to have asked you that question rather than than you asked me it. Um, but. It's just so frustrating because talent-wise, he is a very, very good player. Technically, he is brilliant. You know, for a neutral point of view, you know, I've made it clear how much I rate Ross Barkley. Watching mm. Aston Villa at the moment, with I know he's injured at the moment, but with Barkley, with Grealish, with Watkins, you know, they've got some exciting, entertaining players there. But I don't know why he does it. You know, I don't know why like he has to do it. And the thing is, like some of the times when he's diving, it's not even for penalties, so you can't even say oh yeah but he's, he's got his team a penalty he's diving for like free kicks and stuff like mm. it's just it's just so frustrating and i think to myself you are such a prick and the problem he's got is that he looks like a prick as well you know yeah. there's so you know there's certain people that you look at and you go you're a knob and they might yeah. be the they might be the nicest bloke in the world but they just have that kind of prickish look about them and yeah. he's got that plus he is a prick you know, it's I not thought I thought that when I first met you, actually. So yeah. you, you Do you know what? Wrong. Do you know what? I was I was actually building up to saying something similar to you, but I couldn't work out if I was going to go with that you're a prick and actually a good bloke, <laughs> or you're or the other way or the other way round. But I, I um yeah, and and do you know what? He's got he's got convictions off the pitch, hasn't he? Like you know, the last lockdown, he was caught breaking that. I think he's done drink driving, has he? Yeah, I think so. There's been a whole list of crimes to him. He needs to sort himself out. Really, he's got a lot of talent as a footballer he's going to be a good player not just for Villa um, but for England um, just sort yourself out mate you don't need to do this it's embarrassing no oh, I know I mean good player but fuck me what a cheating little twat and yeah listen I think it's a, a I don't want to say skilled art I suppose to a degree it is actually to entice a foul and engineer a foul if it's a genuine foul and players can do that you know good players oh, yeah. can 
get Trevor, in Trevor Morley was amazing. Eh? Yes. If you remember in Spot. the 90s, he'd kind of like yeah. stick his ass out and the, and the defender would go into him and he'd fall over. But there was a foul because he was bumped over. Exactly. So there was contact. So yeah. that, that's exactly right. And, and and I think I'm more comfortable saying it's a skilled art now because ultimately it is a foul. If you're yeah. engineering yourself in a position where contact can be made and you can win a free kick or a penalty, brilliant. But I'm watching Jack Grealish and he's he's going down towards the floor whilst the other player's six inches away from him. He's, he's coming towards him and contact hasn't fucking remotely been made. And he's going down like he's been shot. Mm. I mean, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but I also couldn't believe how the referee was missing it time after time after time. It was so obvious. And I'll tell you, there's a couple of things that really annoy me about this. Number one, uh, that fucking smirk on his face after he does it. I mean, no, no wonder that Birmingham fan fucking clumped him because I'll tell you what, I, I fucking know how he felt. He was irritating the fucking life out of me, really. Well. And the other thing... Is that players should be punished retrospectively for diving? Why well, we, said, we said this before. The only one I can think of is Lanzini Shock that did. Yeah, it, yes, you're right. We did speak about this before, yeah. and we did use Lanzini. So it can be done. So why isn't it done? Especially when you're talking about, you know, repeat offenders like yeah. Jack Jack uh, Jack Grealish. Yeah. I mean, potential dives should be reviewed retrospectively and be punished if it's believed that they cheated. It's the only way to stop it. 100%. And the thing is, as well, mate, like if you was to go through the Premier League and you was to list, say, five divers, right, everyone would say the same people. Sarah, yeah. Grealish, Harry Kane, um, Son. Uh, you know, that's four. Just without even thinking that I was going to say this, that I'm rolling off here. Um, and so if fans know that, why do referees not think, okay, it's Mo Salah, he's thrown himself to the ground again, probably, really going to be diving and book them. Why do they entertain it every time? You know, you go through the history of the Premier League, particularly after, you know, the introduction of more foreign players, because let's be honest, it did start as a as a thing abroad, but because we've got so many foreign players in the league now, it's a part of our football culture, but we... You know, you look at the you look at um, players throughout history that were known to be divers. You know, Klinsman mocked it, didn't they? When he already yeah. scored for top, he actually did dive. You know, Ginola had that reputation. Drogba. Um, you know, you, you can go through like the the careers of certain players in the Premier League that have that reputation. Um, and the, the bottom line is, if they've got that reputation, they've obviously done it so many times where they have been guilty of diving. Why do people not stop that? Like you said, why are they not saying, right, Salah, you've dived again. That's another yellow card. Like like you said, retrospectively, they would soon stop doing it. They would. They would stop doing it. And, you know, the amount of times that he fucking does it as well, mm. and, and all of these players do it, if there was a yellow card given after the game every time they did... Yeah. Um, then you know, they're going to start missing games because they'll be banned. And that's that's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt the club. And we'll soon get to a point where Dean Smith's going to have to sit Jake down and say, Jake, listen, you've got to nip this in the fucking bud, mate. At least do it when you're in the box. But you're doing it all over the fucking pitch. And that muggy little smirk on your face ain't fucking helping either. 
by the way. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd love a manager to say that to his star player and your muddy little face. Like, help him. <laughs> that would be quite brutal from your own manager. <laughs> like from you, Dave Walker, West Ham fan, you can understand it, but from his yeah. manager, might yeah. be a little bit harsh and not the yeah. best, perhaps, man management strategy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to look at a slightly different approach, granted, but uh, <laughs> it's the same message, I think, as fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I was cracking up because I don't know, you probably saw on Twitter as well, but a couple of people were saying, Oh, I'd love to be like, have, you know, hear me and you watching the game. Like, do what's it called? Like a fat fan reaction thing when we're watching the game. And, um, you know, both me and you have agreed that we don't think that's a good idea because, first of all, we want to concentrate on the game. We love the game so much. And, and second of all, like, the language that would be coming out, and I just—I I would have loved to have heard your reactions. What was going on yeah. with Greenish? I mean, it would have been so funny. I think I literally would have learned new swear words. I think I know <laughs> most of them, but I think your vocabulary <laughs> with Greenish would have just extended my knowledge even further. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was alone, to be honest with you. No, I mean, no, it's you a great player to watch. It really—I'm not being funny. Fans are coming out the stands and fucking clamping the gun. So he's obviously doing something wrong. I mean, you look honest. Honest. No, um, no. It's a bit like one of my old birds, actually. Yeah, I mean, we're talking a good few years back now, and I tell you what, I wish you'd have gone down as easy as fucking Jack does. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, a compliment to your wife. You've obviously <laughs> moved on to bigger and better things since since your early days, mate. Thankfully, thankfully, I've gone in the right direction since then. Yeah, we've got Man United on Saturday. Quite an unpredictable team with their own problems, really. Um, certainly beatable. But it's still Man United. How do you see that one going? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Man, well, not unfortunately, but Man United are very hard to team to predict at the moment. You you never quite know what you're going to get. They're, they're playing right now, aren't they? I think actually, as we as we speak, I think they're in the Champions League, so it might actually be worth knowing what um what's going on. Let's have a look if I can quickly scroll and find the results. One all with Paris Saint Germain. You see, like you know, Paris Saint Germain are a really top team, and they're they're obviously matching them. Um and they are on their day a very good team, but I think you plays before Saturday. That's not bad for us. Yeah, I always think that, mate. I always think it's good to play an important game like that before they before, before they play us. Um, but uh, who knows? Who knows if West Ham and Man United are here? Literally, as I as I've been pretty much said for every game this season, I could see anything happening. I think there'll be goals, although we're quite tight at the back now. I think there will be goals. Um, I, I actually think we might win, mate. I think we might win 2-1. I just got a, I just, I don't know. I'm just feeling really confident with West Ham at the moment. It's a lovely, lovely um, period in a way to be a West Ham fan because I don't, I don't think I've felt this confident in a long while. And whilst, you know, my life isn't exactly at its greatest at the moment, you know, not many people's are with this COVID shit, but I've got other things going on too. West Ham, believe it or not, for once <laughs> in my bloody life, have been a positive <laughs> distraction. You know, yeah. usually, usually they're one of the things that bring me down, but at the moment, they're one of the, one of the few things that are keeping me up and I, I can't believe it because, you know, usually they're compounding the misery, but this 
this is this is a this is a good thing. It just it just feels right. It just I don't know what it is. I I think you know there's a real. I feel like there's a team spirit there. I feel like the players are the, the like each other, and I know they like each other. They like the manager, like the backroom staff. You know, you've got, you've managed to get out a few of the the bad characters. I guess. I mean, you know, some of the players that are picking up a wage and not doing anything. You know, you you I just, it just feels like there's a good a good blend there. And uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go over two one win. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I mean, it's a real feel-good factor at the moment. I still stand by the fact that despite doing so well this season, I still don't think you can hang your hat on what West Ham's going to turn up. You know, we've got nine points from three games, but would we get away with those performances against Man United? That's what worries me a little bit. Um, I actually predicted a one-all against Villa because I had a little bit of a gut feeling that they might have caused a bit of an upset. Uh, I didn't think we'd lose, but I wasn't overly convinced we'd win. Funnily enough, I think it was on the last podcast, I think I predicted a win. But then on the Extra Time show, I spoke to Aldi and, and got his thoughts and he said a draw. And that kind of stuck with me a little bit and I, and I was swayed. So oh, um, really helped me, though, in terms of the prediction. Oh, you did that. Not many. There was a, there was a gnat's cock in it between me and you, you know. I know. I was doing I've literally had the worst week I've ever, yeah. ever had. And if I hadn't have got the Man United, uh, sorry, the West Ham result right, then you, uh, yeah, gosh, that would have been a disaster. Did you get the actual score right? No, no, I didn't, but I got the result oh, right, like, yeah. Oh, I, I think yeah. I said, I think I said it was one, I think I said one nil West Ham. So, uh, yeah. so obviously with it being 2-1, it's still the same goal margin, which you get a bit more for as well. Well, you're quite right. You didn't have the best weekend. I mean, you went from seven statement. Well, you went from 78 to 132nd, Dreadful. leaving on 699 points. And I got minus points, didn't I? Until the, uh, did you know? Yeah, and the West Ham game took me from about, I was on about minus four. I got every single result wrong, I think, uh, apart from one game, which I can't remember what one it was. But I think I got every single, uh, Man City, I think, was it? Because didn't they bat Burnley or someone? Yeah. So yeah. I got I got Man City right, as in the result. But I'd got every other one wrong, I think. I don't know what happened. But uh, yeah. thankfully, by getting the West Ham result right and being a positive West Ham fan, unlike <laughs> yourself, um, I managed to not have such, yeah. a, such a deficit. Yeah, it's true, actually. I think I predicted a 4-0 win for Man City. So I was unlucky yeah. there. But I did correctly guess nil-nil Chelsea and Tottenham. Yeah, I saw that. That was annoying. Uh, Yeah. Um, So, I mean, again, hardly flattering for me, though, to be honest. I let myself down with West Ham because I went, I think it was, uh, I think I went from 164 to 146 for leaving me on 650 points. So there's actually now just 49 points between us, which is nothing, as you know. Um, but in terms of the fantasy league, you got 44 fucking points. I got 33, leaving a gap of 38 points. You're starting to pull away a little bit now. Uh, yeah, it's still not much though, mate. It really isn't. No, I, I'm, you know, not uh, without meaning to pat- patronise you. I would have hoped to have been miles ahead of you by now. What and that isn't miles ahead, thirty-eight. Not thirty-eight, no, because I mean it's you know it's it's more so in fantasy football than it is the prediction league, obviously. But it's still it's still quite close. You know, all you have to do is make your captain, your kick, like have a captain that scores a hat trick, for example, and then and I don't, and then you'll be right, you'll be right back with me. Right, okay, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, not that I'm expecting that to fucking happen. <laughs> no, and um, you've used your triple captain already, and I haven't, so there's a few <laughs> a few things in that I've got over you, but uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I've had a nightmare on that front. Um, okay, but it's still all to play for in the predictions league, and that's the one that matters to me. I'll be honest with you. That's yeah. the one that matters yeah, to me. That's like, yeah, that is like the Premier League, isn't it? I mean, I think the the Fantasy League's probably like the, the FA Cup, like not as important anymore, or like the League Cup maybe. But yeah, it's all it's all on the predictions. I'll be Yeah, I'm, I, I agree with you because at the end of the day, that's the one we've been doing longer. That's our game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, just, I felt really annoyed with myself like, last week. I don't know. But the thing is, I do think I was going to stick up for myself a little bit. I do think there was some random results in there. You know, like, uh, yes, Arsenal aren't the same team that they are, but to lose at home to, to Wolves was a bit of a surprise. Leeds... Didn't they beat Everton? Yeah, was that there right? There were some yeah. shots. There were yeah, some shots. Yeah, Leeds beat Everton, which I don't think I saw coming. So, uh, Man United uh, beat Southampton when Southampton have been on yeah. form recently. Mm-hmm. And Newcastle, and they win at Palace, did they, from memory? can't remember now. They, I think didn't Newcastle scored two goals right at the end. I think it was Palace, which... You know, it's not the easiest of results to predict. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the fact that it was a bit random this week. Hopefully, I'll be back on back on form this week. Yeah, I was quite unlucky in the Southampton game as well because I called that a two-all. Did you? Yeah, and United scored late, didn't they? Yeah, it did. Yeah, no. very late. Very late, that one. Yeah, very so late. So, so, to finish off on the predictions then, what is your on-the-table prediction for Man United Saturday? 2-1 I think uh, part of me is thinking 3-2 uh, I like I think because the fans are back as well well obviously only 2,000 uh, like, only 2,000 of them it's still a bit of a a bit of a novelty that they might be able to uh, they might be able to change like uh, um, like it might be slightly different but no I think I'm going to go with I'm going to go 2-1 Right, I'm <laughs> ever the pessimist although saying that I mean would it be an horrendous result if we did I'm going to go for a 1-0 uh, okay. I'm going to go for a score Shit draw. fan. Uh, do you know what? I, I I feel guilty. I do feel guilty. I mean, I called mm. a one um against Villa, which to be fair, weren't the, the, the worst prediction in the world. It very easily could have mm. gone that way. Uh, and I'm calling a one against United, both of which um, is on the back of a really good time for West Ham. So I do feel a little bit dirty saying that. But and you've been trying mate, to get Moyes the sack for the last year. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying just... to get him to take LA with him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you've been on Noble's back for the last 10 <laughs> oh, disgusting cards there. disgusting for the fan <laughs> you know, you should be ashamed <laughs> right, on that note uh, it's that time again X the man in the know chewing bombs on rain or snow his opinion is in demand to listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way Podcast Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbours are probably already doing it. But who? 
They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.